I'm also pretty sure most of the time I don't need it, but apparently we need it for the recording. Okay. What happened to Jamia? Ah, kids' room? Okay. They're running out when I, when I have so much to talk to about the little... Jamian was educating me this morning that I'm not the center of the universe. Uh, but in a way, he's wrong. Uh, the interesting thing is, for God, I am the center of the universe. And, and so are each of you. That's the amazing thing about God. Uh, he uniquely cares for each of us, and we are the center of his universe. Uh, how he can manage that to be true for all of us, I can't imagine, but I can affirm that it's true. Uh, and so, although I understand when Jamian tells me I'm not the center of the universe, uh, he's telling me the sun is. Uh, but, but we know that the center of our universe is God, uh, but when we put this in the context, he, Jamian was marveling and, 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 and talking about all the planets. And some of my best time with God is when my dogs wake me up early in the morning and we go outside when it's still way too dark to be up. Uh, but it, it's clear morning and I see all the stars. And I break into the song, O Lord My God. In awesome, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. And um, sometimes I hear uh, people of faith battling with science um, and, and trying to argue that the world can't be this old or what, uh, other things. And, and I wonder, why do you battle with science? The more science reveals, the more I worship God. The more I, the more I learn about the universe, uh, I have no fear of what they'll find. They can't disprove God. <laughs> uh, in fact, as they find all those wonders, they are just proving uh, more and more about how wonderful God is and, and, and the, what he has created. And someday, we'll see it in fullness. But right now, I marvel at it. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later as we uh, get into this about that marveling. Um, but this, this message today is really interesting for me. It took a couple of turns, which uh, uh, were humbling to me, just the same as Jamian's telling me I'm not the center of the universe. Uh, um, when I saw the uh, scriptures uh, that were listed in the um, um, lexic lectionary uh, uh, today, I would have automatically assumed I was going to the uh, gospel reading to teach from uh, because there was also reading from Revelation. And I typically, um, I've studied Revelation, I've taken courses on Revelation, uh, I've read a lot of books on Revelation, but I've also read all the controversy of interpretation and uh, the fights that it causes among people. And, and that, that controversy has actually kept me away from it, uh, other than that, the understanding of the big picture. Uh, 
because I just don't want to get into areas that create conflict and, and confusion. And yet, I'm going to teach today on Revelation, uh, uh, specifically Revelation 22, um, and um, where we hear the discussion of the end time and the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, the other thing that was interesting is as I was studying and preparing for this, I was drawn to a encyclical written by uh, Pope Francis. Uh, and that also amazes me because for a long time I was very critical of the religious nature of uh, the Catholic religion because uh, I knew some people that were hurt by that strict religious uh, aspect of it. Uh, and I had oftentimes um, felt it was my job to point out all the places where their practices aren't required. Uh, and at one point, I was in a, a study, and God clearly said to me, so get off the Catholics, <laughs> uh, telling me it's not my job to talk about other people's faith and, and, and try to point out where maybe they're missing the point. Uh, it's my job to realize we're all one church, and they're my brothers and sisters. And if I'm in a relationship with one and we can uh, lovingly uh, discuss scripture where they can, and I'm open to hearing what, where they're coming from, and they're open to hearing where I'm coming from. That's a healthy way of discussing things. But if all I'm going to do is try to put down uh, how they're exercising their faith, God tells me, get off of it. <laughs> uh, it it's, it's my job to uplift people's faith, not to try to tear it down and be critical of, of them. So, uh, uh, therefore, it's really interesting that God drew me to um, Pope Francis's writings to uh, learn from as I was studying this. And then Pope Francis quotes, I think, three other popes that I, that I cite here. Uh, so it was, it was interesting. And if, um, when I get to, if you go to my, when, when, when Ben posts this, um, I, I cite uh, the encyclical of Pope Francis. And it is a wonderful read about our obligations. So um, if you have time, um, go and read it. It's, it is wonderful. Uh, but Revelations discusses the new heaven and new earth. And I, I will read to you the passage uh, that I'll be teaching from, uh, 22, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I mean, it's an exciting reading. Um, when we often talk about uh, we're to live with our eyes on knowing that this is not our home, this is what we're talking about. This is our ultimate home, this relationship. But... Um, in the process of this life, what, what 
does knowing this, um, what does that mean for us as we live? My, my title of my message today is What We Can Say With Confidence About the New Heaven and the New Earth and What It Means for Us. I say with confidence because I'm, I'm not going to get into the debates about things, although I will address a little bit uh, about the passage as it goes on from here and my thoughts about it. But I want to I take this and, and really study this um, passage in Revelation uh, and, and then see how it really speaks and, and applies to our lives. Uh, one important thing to note here is about how the holy city is, is, is described. It's called the New Jerusalem. That may make sense to us because Jerusalem was the center of, of the faith. It was the place where David built the temple that housed the Holy of Holies, that, that where the ark was placed. Uh, that was the place where God was. Uh, at least that was the place that, that I think the, the faith was being practiced at that time. Uh, but what we learn throughout the study of Scripture is that was not God's plan uh, in total. It wasn't about having a place, this physical temple, where uh, he would be present. Uh, his plan as it was carried forward through Jesus, was that he would be in us, that, that he, his home would be this. In fact, that song that Logan sang, Where is the house you will build for me? Uh, it's not about a house. It's not about a structure. It's about us. That's where I say you are the center of the universe. God wants to be housed in you. You are the home that he seeks uh, to reside in us. Uh, and that is a, a, a really important thing. And then as we read about this in Revelation about the eternal future, this new Jerusalem, we, 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 we're not surprised that New Jerusalem will be featured because it was featured in our physical knowledge, in our physical world. But hear the description of New Jerusalem. We go forward. As you read this, it says, A bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So the New Jerusalem is being described as a bride that's beautifully dressed for her husband. And this is re repeated a few verses later when we hear at verses 9 and 10. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in, in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So again, the, the new Jerusalem is described as the bride, the wife of the lamb. Uh, it, it is, it's not being described at this time as any kind of a structure. Uh, and this is not the first time in Scripture where 
we are described as the bride, where the church is described in a marriage relationship with God. In Isaiah, we hear at verse 5, For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. And so there we're hearing that God is described as our husband. In, in Revelation 19.7 we hear, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. So again, the church, the, God's family, his people, are described as his bride. Uh, in Hosea 2, verse 1, it, it's being addressed to my people, my loved ones, and it discusses in a marriage relationship, unfaithfulness uh, of seeking other relationships and how God will draw them back. In verse 16 we read, In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me husband. And in verse 19 and 20 we hear, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion, I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. So again, he's putting us in the context of this marriage relationship. Um, and, and it's interesting about Scripture. It's often, um, God often speaks to us within what we know in, in, in um, relationships, in settings that we know. And here during Scripture, he's, he's using a marriage relationship because that was intended to be our most intimate relationship within our, our, our world. Uh, and God is using that to describe that intimate relationship that he intended and planned for us. In the New Testament, we hear Paul teaching, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. We hear that a lot at weddings, and, but, but we stop there. Um, what we don't understand was the big picture of that message often. The next line is, this is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. That passage, yes, it's great for weddings, and it, and it, it is a properly used for weddings. But in the big picture, it's most properly used to describe God's relationship with us. That, that intimate relationship that's being described there. Uh, so 
if the new Jerusalem is us, the new world, we will be in an intimate marriage relationship with God. It will be that, that loving, that intimate relationship. And this intimate relationship will be like the beginning of time as God created it. Uh, before the Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and invoked the curse. This is, in fact, the full story of the Bible. I've been, I've been writing my theology of the Bible uh, just as a process of study, uh, uh, trying to um, piece it together, uh, trying to see where every part fits with the whole, uh, because we can't really understand a portion of the Bible fully without knowing the full story and how that portion fits within the full story. Because if we're, if we're studying only one portion of the Bible, we can maybe get a lot out of it. But we also may miss the big point if we don't see how it fits within the whole story. And so I've been going back in, in my free time, uh, which my wife will wonder where I find free time, but uh, rather than play games or things on the computer, although I do occasionally do that, uh, we all need what I call brain-dead time, where, where we're not thinking. Uh, but I've been going back, and I've, I've been trying to go from Revelation to Genesis uh, to uh, the various teachings and trying to give an explanation for how it all fits together and why things had to happen. And I don't know that I'm ever going to understand why all things had to happen. Uh, but, I, but I can try to fit them in, uh, and, and I'm doing that because... Uh, it is all one story, and it's this process. God desired relationship with us. He created us, and he walked among us. Uh, that was his desire. We broke that relationship. Uh, and what we're talking about here, as he's saying how he, you know, Christ loved the church um, and gave himself up, this whole process of, of cleansing us and and uh, then presenting us blameless and, and holy, it, it's all God's bringing us back into a relationship where we can be in that intimate relationship in the presence of God forever. And, and that's what we're talking about here as we see re the revelation, what the culmination will be. God flipped us to the end of the book and told us the ending. That's so we don't lose heart. Why, so we don't, um, you know, he didn't have to give us the ending. He could have put us through the trials and the tribulations. Um, and, and as the, the other song was, uh, those trials and tribulations um, feel like gold refining fire. And we know that's true. Those are part of it. And it's part of the message today that that happens. But God knew us. God knew how we would be. And he knew we needed to know the end <laughs> so that we could um, stay faithful, that we, so that we could have the picture so we could try to drown out the voices of this world that are telling us to focus on other things. So he gives us that end of the story and promises us that we will be in this relationship. And so he's revealing uh, 
this, the new heaven and the new earth. But what we would expect to see is, you know, perfect buildings and things. But he's describing us and his relationship with us. And he said, that's what we're looking forward to, is, is this relationship that we are going to be in uh, where, where I will walk among you and I will be your light. Uh, and it goes on uh, to discuss that. And I want to talk a little bit more about some of the uh, maybe a little bit more controversial descriptions uh, in a little bit. But this is the story. Uh, and this is the marriage of the Lamb when Jesus completes the cleansing from all defilement and clothes us, his bride, in white robes of his righteousness, and the two become one. I, I love the picture uh, elsewhere in Revelations where all the people wearing uh, in their white robes are, are, are praising uh, uh, and, 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 and just um, endless praises. Uh, and it, 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 it touches my heart. It, 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 it speaks to that heart that God created in us not our hearts of stone, but the hearts of flesh, that we understand the depth of that love uh, and um, that cleansing process. And that, again, that is the process of uh, the refining fire that we're going through. We, again, I didn't know that the center of our universe was going to be a theme of mine, uh, today until Jamie got me on it, but uh, we are also the center of the universe because we who are alive on the earth are meant to be cooperating with God for the healing and cleansing of the world, starting with our own minds, hearts, and characters, but also to help others, to guide others, to, to encourage others, uh, as we are going through this cleansing process to make ourselves ready for his return. Uh, when, Lord Jesus, I've heard that occasionally mentioned, that when are you coming back? And uh, my cry is, wait until everybody's ready. Uh, and, 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 and I don't have to say that to God because he knows he's going to wait until everybody's ready. He's going to wait until it's fulfilled, until everybody um, uh, can come to know. Uh, in this portion of Revelation, there is also a description of the building in other terms. Uh, there, if you go on further, you'll see it described as uh, streets of gold, of, of, of uh, all kinds of jewels, of all kinds of wondrous descriptions. Uh, uh, specific kind of gems and things that I don't even know what they are. Uh, but they are wondrous things, uh, things of beauty, things of value in the world's eyes. I tend to interpret that as symbolism for our value to God. Because uh, we, we are the New Jerusalem, and then, then it's described in these wonderful, beautiful terms. So do I believe that when I get to heaven, it's going to be all these beautiful gems and things? I don't know that I'm to take that literally. If we're there and it's that way, I'm not going to be surprised. 
But I think more importantly, he's describing that's his value to us. He's putting in terms that we can understand uh, because we have a hard time having the concept of our value in God's eyes. Um, and so he's describing that we are his bride, we are his church, but then he's giving all these wondrous descriptions of all these amazing uh, things that have value in the earth, that have value to people on the earth. Uh, but he's saying, that's you. you. You can't describe a jewel. You can't describe a precious metal. You can't describe anything that is more precious to me than you are. And so he's, he's given us this description. But I think the, the, the big key is that and why I, I struggle sometimes with Revelation is because I don't think we're meant to spend too much time looking forward to that new heaven and new earth. And I, I think we're certainly not intended to expend energy and create conflict between our brothers and sisters debating who is right and wrong about what heaven will look like. You know? We are called to be like Mary. Uh, when, I, when I was thinking about this, I, I thought of Mary, the mother of Jesus. As she was confront, confronted with so many amazing things that would startle most of us, as she was presented these amazing things, and the special son that she had been given, and the things that were going on, what we hear is that she treasured these things in her heart. That You go to Luke 2, 19 and, uh, and 51. Mary did not need to have the exact details. She just knew what was happening was special. She marveled at what she witnessed. She watched as the plan unfolded, and she knew she was blessed to be a part of the plan even as the plan at times caused her grief. I think we're called to do that. We're called to um, treasure these things in our hearts, to marvel at them, to, to um, be excited about what, what God is doing. Uh, and this is where I was led to Pope Francis. Uh, in his encyclical la, uh, writing, Laudato Si, and, and I give you a citation if you find it. And again, that's one... I mean, I, I urge you to go read it. It's a wonderful writing about why we're supposed to care for our earth. Uh, he, was he was specifically addressing our needs to actually be people who try to preserve the earth uh, and, and what we owe for it. And he ties it together very well with creation. It's, a, it's just an extremely well-written uh, piece, uh, very in-depth. Uh, and as he addresses our treatment of the earth, he refers to it as irresponsible use and abuse. Uh, and he advocated our need to care for it. However, his teaching reaches to a message about our eternal future. Pope Francis cited to Pope Paul the, the sixth uh, writings in 1971. And the part he pointed to that I thought was important for us uh, is that uh, Pope uh, Paul VI wrote of a tragic consequence of unchecked human activity that demonstrated how our wondrous creative, creativity and developments by our most brilliant minds backfire when they're misapplied. 
the most extraordinary scientific advances, the most amazing technical abilities, the most astonishing economic growth backfire unless they are accompanied by authentic social and moral progress. Pope Francis warned that human beings frequently seem to see no other meaning in their natural environment than what serves them for immediate use and consumption. And, and what he was teaching is, I'm going to get back to Jamie on, in some ways we're not the center of the universe. <laughs> in some ways we are the custodians of the universe. We are, we are entrusted with it. Uh, we are the caregivers of it. Uh, and we, ha we have a duty to step up and be that, uh, to not focus on what are all the things I can get out of this. We're just talking about how does God want me to use it? How does God want me to interact in my world? And, and what, what Pope Paul was writing about is we're given these great minds, we're given these abilities, but... If we use them for our own benefit without thinking about what is the benefit to God's creation, then we're misusing them. We are, we are abusing them. Francis refers to another pope, John Paul II, uh, who in an encyclical in 1991 explained everything we do, whether it be inventions or just everyday actions, has a moral character. Um, we often think going about our day that what I'm doing now doesn't matter. But the reality is everything we do matters to God. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that everything I do during my day has a significance to God. You know, as I was brushing my teeth this morning, I'm thinking, what, well, does this really matter to God? <laughs> and the reality, it does. The fact of the matter is caring for our bodies does matter to God. When we abuse our bodies, we are abusing God's temple. And, and so we really do have a duty to, and so brushing my teeth is important because it, it, it cares for God's temple. It, 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 you know, it's amazing, but that's the mindset that we need to have. Otherwise, we, we fall into the world's pattern of thinking things don't matter or thinking that it's okay for me to treat this moment for my own personal use instead of how it affects everybody else around me. My goal is to make sure I'm part of God's family and I'm helping the process move towards that and not being a disruption of it. Uh, in the words of Pope Benedict, in 2008, he stated, the misuse of creation begins when we no longer recognize any higher instance than ourselves, when we see nothing else but ourselves. Which again, Jamie properly corrected me that I am not the center of the universe. Uh, it is not simply for me. God created it for us. He created it so we could enjoy it, so we could uh, thrive in it, but not so we could use it as our own playground, ignoring the value to everyone else. 
Supporting the universal truths of these positions, Francis then cites to Patriarch Bartholomew for drawing attention to the ethical and spiritual roots of environmental problems, which require that we look for solutions, not only in technology, but in the change of humanity. Otherwise, we would be dealing simply with symptoms. So what he's saying is, if all we deal about is the need to recycle and things like that, we're dealing with the symptoms. Bartholomew calls for replacing consumption with sacrifice, replacing greed with generosity, replacing wastefulness with the spirit of sharing, and asceti- I can't say that word, ascetism, which entails learning to give and not simply to give up. It is a way of loving, of moving gradually away from what I want to what God's world needs. It is liberation from fear, greed, and compulsion. Uh, what, what he's writing about here is understanding that this is not a restriction. This is a liberation. Uh, when, we, when we are doing these things where we are consumers without, re, without regard for others, we are actually entrapping ourselves in the world system. We are actually making ourselves a part of something that is not holy, that is not uh, blessed uh, and and we are um, uh, actually um, belittling ourselves. And, and we've seen that as we see the impact of destroying of our, uh, of our um, environment, uh, what it does to us, how it restricts us. God designed us to walk with the animals, to, to, to enjoy the beauty of nature uh, and... Instead, we have tried to um, capture nature and make it our tool for our, our joy. The, uh, Francis ties this all together um, in the statement. The creation accounts in the book of Genesis contain, in their own symbolic and narrative language, profound teachings about human existence and its historical reality. They suggest that human life is grounded in three fundamental and closely intertwined relationships with God, with our neighbor, and with the earth itself. So the three relationships with God, with our neighbor, and with the earth itself. Accordingly, the Bible, these three vital relationships have been broken, both outwardly and within us. This rupture is sin. The harmony between the creator, humanity, and creation as a whole was disrupted by presuming to take the place of God and refusing to acknowledge our creaturely limitations. This, in turn, distorted our mandate to have dominion over the earth. He describes dominion was really meant to till and to keep it. As a result, the original harmonious relationship with human beings and nature became conflictual. Pope Francis ends by specifically citing Revelation 21, our passage for today. Even now we are journeying towards the Sabbath of eternity, the new Jerusalem, towards our common home in heaven. Now, that statement, when he says, even now we are journeying towards the Sabbath of eternity, the new Jerusalem, towards our common home in heaven, there is no time that that statement wasn't true. I mean, even now we are journeying towards that. Uh, that's when people say we're in the end times. I tell them, we've always been in the end times ever since 
the apple was eaten. <laughs> it was just how, when the process we were going to go through uh, during that time period. What I, what I read um, in his final section, he starts it with, In the meantime, we come together to take charge of this home which he has entrusted to us. In some ways, what I read as I'm reading through Francis, he seems to suggest that we ought to not be too encumbered with eschatology. We shouldn't be so encumbered with how the end of the time is going to be. We're to leave that to God. How God decides to create the future does not change how we are to act now. And that's why I've never really gotten so much into trying to predict and look at what the future will be. People ask me, what will heaven be like? And I say, you know, I don't think about it. Other than to know I'll be living with God, and so it's going to be wonderful. Uh, uh, otherwise, I don't concern myself with much about the specifics. Um, we, through Christ's resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit, have been invited by God to be a part of his plan. He offers the world the possibility of creating such a world on earth as it is in heaven. As we respond to God's invitation and work together with him, the wonderful thing about this process is we are currently living in harmony with God. As believers, we've received the Holy Spirit. We have that relationship now. Uh, so we have that ability to live on earth as it is in heaven in that God has already established his home in us as the song was, who will create uh, a house for me. God created his house and he chose you uh, just as it will be for eternity. But it is now if we simply accept it and understand. We're not to wait until then for it to be perfect. We're to live it now. Uh, we're speaking of an attitude of the heart, one which approaches life with serene attentiveness, which is capable of being fully present to someone without thinking of what comes next, which accepts each moment as a gift from God to be lived to the full. Jesus taught us this attitude when he invited us to contemplate the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, or when seeing the rich young man and knowing his restlessness. He looked at him with love. He was completely present to everyone and to everything. And in this way, he showed us the way to overcome that unhealthy anxiety which makes us superficial, aggressive, and compulsive consumers. Yeah. Taking a moment to actually treasure in your heart that moment. To treasure in your heart the meeting of another human being. And I, again, I thank Jamie because that was a wonderful moment. Hearing him talk about, I mean, he can recite to you all of the planets. And he knows enough to say Pluto is a dwarf planet. Uh, I said, oh, you left out, you know, I didn't say you left out Pluto, but I said, what about Pluto? And he says, that's a dwarf planet. I mean, the kid's five. <laughs> and, but it was, it was I, I treasure that moment in my heart. I mean, I, I marveled at, at the wonder of, 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 his, of his mind. Uh, and that's what we're to do. 
We're not to pass those moments by. Uh, and when we have an interaction with another human being, you know, it's not something to just slough off and, and say, I got other things to do today. Now, our agendas are so often our biggest problem. Uh, and that's why when, when people tell me, you know, when do you think the end time will come? I said, I think we're supposed to know. I've got people who try to tell me they can predict it. And I said, I'm pretty confident you can't. You know, because you know, God knows if we could predict it, we would use that information to manipulate the way we behave. And he wants us to think today could be that moment. And we have to, we, we should be saying, yes, great, come. But we should also say, today could be that moment. I better get with it. <laughs> you know, it should motivate us. Uh, and also, you should also have the mindset like I do that, wait a minute, we got work to do. Uh, so God, hold off, we got work to do. And God will say, hey, I'm at work. <laughs> I'll know when we're done. Uh, your job is just to do. Is that Star Wars I'm going to get into? Uh, just do. Uh, and that, that is our job. So what do we learn about what we can and cannot say with confidence about the new heaven and the new earth and what it means for us? And frankly, I don't think it's anything uh, miraculous. What we've learned about the new heaven and the new earth is God created the current world. God has an eternal plan, which is currently in the works. God is in control. God promises us, uh, promises us a new heaven and a new earth where he will be present with us and there won't be any more pain, no more tears. So those are his promises. And our job is to trust God's plan and promise and focus upon his call upon our lives to love him with all our hearts and love our neighbors. Uh, that's, that's the big message. It, you know, even when we look at Revelation, it doesn't change. Uh, the message is, I love you. I'm with you. I've got a plan. Get with the plan, and we'll all be together in a marriage relationship for eternity. We're now going to go to communion, and I want to read something I put together from uh, Francis writing about the importance of communion. I've put it into my words uh, as opposed to his, uh, but um, I, I wanted to lead us into communion um, because following up on this message. It is in communion where all that has been created finds its greatest exaltation. Love perfectly demonstrated through self-sacrifice. The grace of God expressed when God himself became man and gave himself to his, his blood. He gave himself to be called his beloved home. He came that we might find him in this world of ours, the living center of of the universe, the overflowing core of love and inexhaustible life, an act of cosmic love. Get this. This is an act of cosmic love. The Eucharist, communion, 
joins heaven and earth. It embraces and penetrates all creation. The world which came forth from God's hand returns to him in blessed and undivided adoration. In communion, creation is washed clean for the holy wedding. On Sunday, our participation in communion has special importance. Sunday is meant to be a day which heals our relationship with God, with ourselves and with others and with the world. Sunday is the day of the resurrection, the first day of the new creation. Thus, communion is also a source of light and motivation for our lives. You have been washed clean. Whatever you have done wrong is forgiven. You are made new. Join in the work of preparing the church for the great wedding by going forth in love and sharing the new good news. So now come, uh, partake in communion, understanding that this is a reflection so that we could remember this love for us and what God has in store for us for eternity.